All right. Looks looks like we're live, Rob. Sweet. Do you wanna do you wanna get this going first, or do you think we should see if we're gonna have anyone uh, kind of straggling in for this? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. It's just gonna rip the audio and post it on YouTube anyway. So just send it. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> if any, if anyone wants to come in and 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 join, they can they can always just come back and and look at it. Well, it, guys, it's been a pretty crazy couple of days for the CEV semifinals um a couple of crazy champions league a couple of not so crazy champions league games we have two pretty exciting ones and then a couple uh a couple of duds i think we can call them duds <laughs> you know they they, they weren't they weren't that exciting i may or may not have fallen asleep during the canigliano um navarro navarro match but uh it was also because of the the, the commentator was just putting me to sleep but uh, oh we can i wanted to talk about that a lot more later but uh hi hi everyone I'm Rob. <laughs> Ever, thank you for having me. Uh, good friend of the show. Thank you. Thank you for letting I, me come on and you know just. I feel chill. like at this point you got about ball. I, th- I feel like at this point you don't even really need an introduction. It's just like, hey, Rob's Rob's here again. Yeah, you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of like that, like that family friend that just walks in the front door. You know, what's the, up, guys? Yeah, just kind of walks in, doesn't doesn't knock, or at least like nope. knock knocking as they're walking in type of thing. Yeah, no door knocking up in here. I just show up. So, yeah, exactly. Just like uh, you know, Bill Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo. That, that's that's the vibe we're going for. <laughs> there have there have been some analogies made to those two gentlemen uh, in the Discord lately, in regards to yourself and myself. So, I'm, uh, I don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, I much prefer that to that than the uh, Stephen A. Smith. Although the I, Everett A. Smith, the, the, that's that's an all time comparison. Yeah, well. Uh, We've we've had some ideas about making some like goofy editorial content where we impersonate like dumb media members when we talk about a volley. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> I, I still think Stephen A. Smith, maybe some Skip Bayless, just really really pin down some of their mannerisms and and what they've got going on. It would be pretty funny. It would be pretty funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's kind of just jump into it. Like we said, a couple of crazy games, a couple of not so crazy games. Um. Let's it's, talk about the let's talk about the not crazy games first. Yeah, let's let's jump into the not the not crazy games first. Just to breeze through them. You yeah, know? A- absolutely. So the first one would be Canigliano uh, against Novara on um, on Wednesday. It was a three nothing schlacking for uh, Nov- or Canigliano over Novara, and I don't know what it is about this matchup, Rob. I love watching Novara so much, and I think they're so good, but they always just seem to crumble whenever they come up to Canigliano. I just I don't understand it. Dude, yeah, you're absolutely right. So like I was making I was making those little preview videos for the CEV this week, like this little one minute preview that they had me make for each game. And uh, this one like this one on paper should have been really hype because it's a rematch of the Champions League final from two years ago. Uh, obviously things are a lot different than two years ago uh they played an italian cup final last weekend uh conegliano's won literally 55 games in a row which is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard in my life but novara is sick like you're right novara is really good uh they're really good on paper they've looked really good all year against everybody except conegliano and yeah they come in and just kind of get beaten down I, i i can't really put my finger on what it is it might be just a lack of confidence uh uh you know, subliminal expectation that they're probably going to lose. And sure enough, uh, they, they ended up pulling Micah Hancock early. They ended up putting a bunch of bench players in just to try and figure it out. And 
they never came closer than 21-25 and got you know pretty clean 3 0 So looking like uh, my pick to win that tournament, breezing towards the finals, if you ask me right now, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they they didn't even look like they had uh, a team up against them. Like it, it's so weird because Navarra <laughs> is the second best team in the in the, in Super the best league. league in the world. Yeah, you know, like it, it seems like it should be those two, but there was really no contest when you know you're hoping that they're going to be able to kind of to kind of show something. I'm trying to throw up show throw up the stats for this game right now, but I just can't seem to to find them. The stats for the, the new CEV website are kind of all over the place sometimes. I've got I've got like just the the scoring. Yeah, Canigliano out blocked them, out served them. That that doesn't really tell me anything. I, I I did a breakdown of the stats, a much more detailed breakdown of the stats for the the two games that actually mattered. So <laughs> I'm 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 way more prepared for for those. That's ones. good. It's it's just this one that. Uh, that. All right, here here are the stat sheets that that I've pulled. Dude, up. honestly, there's not even that much to talk about about this game, no. and that, which is a, which is a shame. It, it could have been such a spicy and like fun matchup, but it just wasn't. Like yeah. Agliano was just it, better than them. Aganu goes 13 for 25, scores 18 points, two blocks, three aces. Um, even though Mike Hancock is the service queen, the ace queen. In these uh, the Super Lego, we've already we've already determined that um, Agonu was definitely the queen uh, today. Bassetti was the only one from Navarra who was able to, to you know work anything up. Smarjek was real bad, nine for twenty three. Ouch! Yeah, not 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 gonna get it done. It just seems like I I, I don't know. It, it just seems like I feel like the Navarra's power is really like they run it fast. They have that two ball option with with Micah Hancock, and but they're not that dominant on the outside compared to a team like like Canigliano or maybe even like Busto, who we're going to talk about the next match. I don't know if dominance the right word, except for Canigliano, it obviously is because they are dominant um, on all all three pin hitters. Uh, I think Novara's pins are better than Busto's pins. But it's just the the way that their team works. It's a little bit different. I, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to put a finger on. Um, Bustos pins are sick, and they played phenomenal yesterday. Or, yeah, yesterday. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now too. It just all all the pieces that Novara wanted to kind of throw at Canigliano just to see if it would work. Just nothing worked. Nothing was even close. Uh, yeah, Bassetti 38 percent, Chiricelli 55 percent, but. Only eleven attempts. Washington thirty-three percent. Only six attempts. That's not very good. Ugh, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> Brent Herbot's nineteen percent on twenty-one attempts. Not good. Uh, Smarzek, like you said, not good. Yeah, nine for twenty-three. That's not good at all. I don't know. Canigliano's in a, a phenomenally good blocking team. That helps. They're a phenomenally good serving team. That helps. Uh, and you just have to match them with firepower and those same strengths. And if you can't do that, then this is what happens. Yeah. They outblocked them seven to two out, hit them 46 to 33% in their, in their uh, attacking percentage, just a, a domination by, by Canigliano and they're, they're cruising for, for the finals at this point, both in the champions league and the super league. Yep. And that's really all there is to say about that. If you ask me, they're, they're just so good, dude. They're so, so, so good. They're so complete. They're so, 
dominant there. They're incredible. It's it's scary when you see like how good Agonu is, and then you look at some of the other athletes on that team. You know, maybe like a Kim Hill, who Kim Hill could conceivably carry a team all on her own. You know, most oh, sure. teams most teams would be like, okay, cool, we've got Kim Hill, she's our ace, we're good to go. But they've got her second to Paolo Agonu, and it's just it's 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 next level. All and right. yeah, Miriam Sila also like Mackenzie Adams is the third outside when they need her. Uh, two very good middles, like come on, <laughs> and the best setter in the world. Yeah. Like Jesus, who right. who who thought it was a good idea to let this team exist? <laughs> yeah. yeah, honestly. All right, well let's let's jump over to the men's side, uh, and we'll go talk about the boring game on the men's side, and that was the all Italian affair. Trentino against Perugia. If you have told me that this game would have been boring, I wouldn't have believed you. But Trentino kind of just they kind of just drove the bus the entire time and Perugia just let them 100% they it was actually remarkably similar to the women's game we just talked about in several ways like uh all Italian obviously a rematch from the cup you know the, this was semis uh the women's one was finals uh featuring the best player in the world of uh, different teams but th- there there were a couple of analogs there just the way that Trentino, you're right. They just ran the show. They completely took control early, and they never let go of it. It, it felt like they, they were, they, they were just in control. They were in command. They were confident. I said in my preview, they're playing with all the confidence in the world. They might be the, the the team that's increasing steadily, increasing their level and peaking at the right time. And Perugia, man, I don't know. We saw them do the same thing with Modena in the last round. Okay, so they, they lose 3-0 to Modena. They kind of lay an egg. They turn around, beat them 3-0, and win a golden set 15-5. to So obviously they're capable of flipping the switch. But Trentino is a lot better than Modena. And Trentino plays just a, a much more polished, like high-level style of volleyball. They just it's, it's much more like pretty to watch to me. Do you agree with that? I, I I absolutely 100% agree. I love watching Trentino play. Yeah. I, I I think Trentino compares the most to Zaxa in terms of how their their system works. Trentino heavy uh, relies a little bit more heavily on their serve their serve serve receive game, right? And and how heavily they rely on scoring points from from serving and how heavily they rely on putting you out of system based on their serving, but it's very similar to me. And I'm almost wondering, like, there was so much hype. There's there's always all the hype on on the the, the team with the the big names and the big signings, the Lubes, the Perugias, the the Zenit Kazans. But this year, we're almost seeing this team, you know, very structured approach, really finding success, of course, with, with, with Zaxa, but, you know, Trentino, we, we've we seen them succeed time and time again in so many different types of situations this year by just having this very structured team type play, even without Gianelli. Yeah, you're not wrong. Now, make no mistake, coming into this season, there, there was a lot of hype around the offseason moves that Trentino made. Uh, bringing in Lucarelli was a big deal. Um, no, and then Alessandro Micheletio coming out of nowhere, being as good as he's been, has been tremendous for that team. But they, compared to where they were in like November, December, uh, coming out of the Champions League second round, having like losing Gianelli for a month or whatever, and the whole team getting COVID and having to pause for a month, like they had a rough start to the year. But you're right, this it's just it's a team identity of the way that they play that is really attractive to me as a volleyball fan. And I've talked about it on the, the European volleyball show with Dan and I a couple of times that like it's 
it's a thing that we see less and less in club because there's so much turnover year over year with players that a team like a Trentino or especially Zaxa succeeds with this incredibly identifiable like identity. Like it's clear who they are as a team that everyone's bought into just the system that they play. And you can like describe the style of Trentino volleyball or Zaxa volleyball. And that's cool. And when you combine that with a whole lot of talent and uh, increasing chemistry and confidence you get a team that is two sets away from the champions league finals so sure enough yeah uh micheletto was micheletto was awesome they finally decided to start it which they should have been just doing this whole time uh namir was tremendous uh lucarelli was good both middles were good they put a lot of pressure on perugia and just made them play this perugia play this like awkward like not fluid just like visually confusing style of volleyball that they just it's just kind of how they are now. It's just so confusing to me. I don't love watching it. I love watching Wilfredo Leon no matter when he sits from the court. But, but it, just about anyone else on that team, I, I don't when know, you watch man. Perugia, it's weird. When you watch Perugia, it seems to me like it's Wilfredo Leon who's this, this calm presence of just dominance. But then there's just stormy seas going around him. And I feel like almost like this is what I feel like watching Perugia is in. Is that you know Leon is in the middle of us? Uh, we're 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 in your backyard. You've got an outground pool, not an in-ground pool. The outground pool where you know it only comes up to your, like to your tits the entire of course. time. And Wilfredo Leon is in it, and he's trying to play like one of those pool styles of volleyball, and he's just de- de- like destroying he's it, flying around all over the place. Yeah. But you've got Heinen who is constantly trying to make a whirlpool throughout the entire <laughs> thing the entire time, and that's what I feel like watching Perugia is because there's just a constant in and out of like of different guys of. You know, Shawan's on the le- on the right side. Then he's on the left side. You've got Tahoris. You got Muzai. You've got Antanasievich. Just like make up your mind. What is going on with this team? There's one constant, and that's Trevicha is going to set a high ball to Leon. Badly, but badly, and and Leon's going to absolutely <laughs> crush it. But other than that, it's just complete chaos going on. And I think they're starting to crack at the seams. Like I don't know if this outground pool is going to last the summer. That, I am actually so here for that analogy. It's specific and it's weird, but I really like it. But again, as much as I agree that it just looks kind of like visibly watching the match today that their wheels are falling off for Perugia, they did this same thing in the last round. And they came back and smoked Modena 3-0 and mopped the floor with them in the golden set. So again, Trentino's better than Modena, but I'm, I'm not I'm not ruling them out just yet. Now, they also had the shaky loss to Milano 3-0 in the first round of the, the Italian playoffs. They probably should have lost the second match. It, there's, It's just so weird. Perugia's just so weird. It's it's kind of like we, we compare Wilfredo Leon to LeBron James a lot because the comparisons are obvious. It's, it's like LeBron's early Cleveland Cavaliers teams mm-hmm. when he would single-handedly put the entire, like, scrub team on his back and carry them to the NBA finals and then lose because he came up against a team who was B plus level talented across the board and just played better basketball than he could personally. It's, it's it's similar. I think that's maybe the, maybe the Trentino is like the San Antonio Spurs right now, or like the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, they're a little bit more talented than those teams, but uh, they're like star star studded. It's kind of similar. I mean, like you can look at those, both of those teams on Dallas, you've got Dirk, Right, I, I Dirk for, is amazing. Dirk is amazing. I forget who else was on Dallas, but they had Dirk, right? And then when you look at San Antonio, they had Kawhi, they had 
they had, you know, Tony Parker, like they, Tim they had the Duncan. squad, but Tim yeah. Duncan, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But you're, you're, you're very, you're very much right. Like I, it almost feels like they put all of their, their eggs in, um, Leon's basket. And I don't know, like there's a huge difference trying to play catch up against Trentino than against Modena. Right. Because if you're going to, like, right. Like if you like, you're going to have to apply a lot of pressure to crack Trentino and Trentino's like, we just have to win two sets. Like we just need to take this to five. Like we could do that without Gianelli, you know, like that's, that's, <laughs> what, I think, that's what I think Trentino's <laughs> thinking right now. They're kind of like, yo, like sick, we've got this. And in a scenario where everyone thought we were going to have a double final of like Lube Perugia in a Superliga and in Champions League, we not have, might have either of them. Yeah, it's very possible that we have neither of them. Now, they're, they can't be getting complacent about only having to win two sets, even though that's true. And I do expect them to win those two sets and go to the finals. But you're still playing against Wilfredo Leon. I know his the, I know Dragon Tavica is so bad. And oh my God, is he bad. The more I watch him, the more annoyed I get about the fact that he has a roster spot and has a, has a job playing professional volleyball right now. He's terrible. And the more I watch... Uh, I don't know, a, a random opposite picked out of a hat and thrown on the floor for Perugia and to see that guy play badly without fail and then get subbed out after 12 points. It, it's so frustrating. But somehow they will capture these these runs and these these little moments of lightning in a bottle where they turn it into winning matches. And I don't get it, but they keep getting away with it. And <laughs> they've gotten away with it all year long. And... Honestly, if they force a golden set here, I wouldn't be that blown away just because it's it's been this crazy roller coaster ride for Perugia, but they always seem to come out on top somehow. I don't know. But this one match that happened today in a vacuum, I barely was able to watch any of it live because I was busy at the office. I watched a five-minute highlight video after the fact and felt like I had seen all that I needed to see. I mean, Wilfredo Leon, seven points on the match. That's absurd. Seven kills, right? And he he's going... Like what is he? He's going seven or four eighteen here. Got blocked three times and and two errors. You know, it's like we're like I feel like we're it's this is we're having this exact same conversation as we did the first time, where it's just Trevita and like you look at their passing stats. They didn't pass horribly. They didn't outpass them the way that they did Wodna the last time we 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 talked about it. They had forty one positive positive receptions, nineteen excellent percent percent. I don't even know like we've been through it. I don't want to get into it. Six six errors, so that's a little bit higher. So they they didn't pass as well, but they're still passing decently, and they're not be able to convert, right? 16, 16 minus plays in attacking either errors errors or blocks against compared to only that is for Trentino. Terrible, right? That that's that seventeen that, hitting errors. Yeah, that was that was the storyline that I can't remember where I saw, but about the Vakif Bank Busto match. Also, the the story was a huge number of Vakif Bank hitting errors down the stretch. Like you, you just you you cannot make those, especially when Wilfredo Leon is going. What is it? Yeah, seven for eighteen, seven for 18. five errors. Yeah, that's that, that, that is obviously not a world beating performance from him, but everyone else, uh, you've got to be able to produce somewhere else around maybe that that little bit of vacuum of you know, the production that you're used to, but they just absolutely could not do that. Uh, Trentino gets a lot of credit. I think Trentino is really good. You made a point about you really have to put a lot of pressure on Trentino to make them uncomfortable. And it 
Perugia is one of the few teams that's capable of that with the way that they're able to string crazy service runs together sometimes, but that definitely didn't happen today. And there was nothing that was able to make Trentino uncomfortable. And so 3-0 and a handshake, you know? I think it for me, it really comes down to more and more, the more I watch volleyball and the more it's so evident that your, your setter is your quarterback and you're just going to emulate whatever emotional state your setter is in, your team is is, is going to be in. And on one side of the net, you have Gianelli, who's very level-headed. He's very calm. Yes, he's young, but he's he's still very calm and he's very deliberate with everything he does. And he always has been. And on the, the other side of the net, you have an, an aging Trevitza. And I almost feel like all so much of, of, of this is about Trevitza, like, repositioning himself himself as the king of Italian volleyball. You know, he had, like he has this chip on his shoulder where he was kicked off the national team in 2015. A couple right. of the, the other the other guys were let some of the other guys were let back on. He wasn't let back on. He was banished to go play for Padova for a few years and now he's finally coming back and he's he's going to get his redemption arc now. Yeah, with, he's trying to with he's trying to make it about him. Right? And it's just it's just not coming through. Um and that's why it seems like they're just kind of so all all over the place. So I I honestly completely expect now Trentino to win the next leg and and for them to move on. Yeah, I expect it too. They're they're just playing better volleyball across all competitions. The the level of volleyball they're playing is just better. And while you're probably right about those things about kind of Trevitz's vibe and just like the the personality that it brings to the team right now. He's just not very good, straight up. And I'm not even going to bother looking further into it than that. He's just not setting the ball well. He set a ball to Wilfredo Leon today in position two in rotation one when Wilfredo's on the right side, and everyone knows he's getting, knows he's getting the ball. And I saw him do the same thing a couple weeks ago. Terrible set outside the antenna behind Wilfredo. He runs underneath the ball, has to reach back and crunch it and get stuff straight down. It's just like... This is the difference between the sport of volleyball and basketball is even the best player in the world needs the ball at least in the right area code while in basketball, like you can kind of just do it, do it on your own. But if you cannot locate the ball well enough for Wilfredo freaking Leon, you don't deserve to be on the court in the Italian Super League straight up. I could set a better ball than that. I could set it right now. I will set Wilfredo Leon antenna height balls three feet off the net all match long right now, and we would have the same chance of winning that they do with Dragon Trevita. I don't understand. God, I love when I love when you start making these sweeping statements like that. If you can't do X, you don't <laughs> deserve, be, deserve to be in Y. Uh, I I love it, but you know, like I mean, I don't necessarily fully agree, but I I I, I understand this the the sentiment because yeah, it's it's a little bit frustrating, you know, like. Uh, on the opposite end of watching Modena, where they just have they have so many nice pieces with with Micah and and Jania, like just everything seems to be rotten around uh, around uh, um, around Leon and man, I I I, f- I really feel for Shawan Vernon Evans, and I hope someday he tells me some stories about what happens what happened. Free on him. Team. Because yeah, I I want I would love to hear some behind closed doors stories from this Perugia team. I bet it's it's crazy. I, I like I feel like you know like I bet you like like stuff is going on behind closed doors. Like Heinen's wondering like you know are they gonna hire Blangini now for me? Like or now <laughs> or are they gonna hire Fefe now? You know it's just like this 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 constant uh, 
rotation of of coaches in the, in the Superliga. But yeah, it well, I, maybe they'll ro- they'll rotate through coaches the way Heinen rotates through opposites. Yeah, seriously, like it, what a joke. <laughs> it, it honestly, it honestly is a, a joke. Like Terhost was was so good, nine points in the first set. And then it's pretty good. Like they're still bringing in Massimo Jai, and I, 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 I don't even know, but I don't. I am convinced that Massimo Muzai is just not a very good volleyball player. No, I, I, I don't think he's a very good volleyball player. I think he's athletic, um, and I think he's tall. You know, I yep. think he's tall. I think he jumps really high. I think he's a lefty, so it, it provides him different angles to 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 both hit the hit the ball. But in terms of being a, a volleyball player, like could he play fours? He has- no, I think he has the worst arm of any like professional uh, attacking volleyball player. His arm is terrible. It's not good. He makes awful hand contact. He doesn't have very good range. It just looks bad the way that he swings at the ball. I don't know. I, I just don't like it very much. He the way the height that he's touching, the angles that he should be able to create being a lefty and being able to touch that high, uh, there's no reason for him to not be one of the best players in the world. He just doesn't have a very good arm. I, I don't know. Has there ever been like a dominant lefty? Like I'm talking about like a, like someone of Musai's stature and, and athleticism on, on the right side. Like have we ever had that type of player and I don't, I'm not, not sure. Since, not since I've been watching volleyball, which has been about since 2008, like, the, the the dominant arms in that time were Clay Stanley, Ivan Milkovic, uh, the the up and coming Maxim Mikhailov, like all obviously right handers. I think the closest thing right now is Viktor Politaev. Uh, there was there was a character for Italy called Mikhail Lasko who was pretty good. Mika he was Lasko, a le- yeah, yeah. He was a lefty, but he, he was he wasn't like he wasn't a top ten opposite in the world. He, he was he was good, but he wasn't a top ten opposite but in the like- world. This is. Before Zaitsev switched to the right side, yeah, dude, you you might be onto something there. I don't know if any since like I've all, been watching volleyball, of... truly internationally great left-handed players and like all of, hitters. When, when you when you think of left-handed hitters too, like all of the top left-handed hitters are all undersized. I hope and, I'm not missing anyone. And, Otherwise, that would look really dumb. <laughs> but like they're they're all undersized and they're all a little bit slimy. Like it's yeah. it's Slika, yep. it's Rasah. It's um, Linnell uh, Kovacevic. Linnell Kovacevic. It's it's all of these guys who are just gonna kind of chip and chisel, and they're just a little bit weird because they're these these weird lefty hybrids uh, on the outside. Slika, I don't know if I mentioned him. Probably probably did. Um, he did. But it'd be kind of nice to have a big left-handed, like legitimate banger. Because like, like uh, I don't know if you know who Marcus Nilsson is. He's a Swedish guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Marcus Nilsson. That guy. Is probably the closest thing that that I've seen. Like Paul I've, Carroll, but even then, yeah, Paul Carroll like, was like a skinnier guy. Paul Carroll needed to be just a little bit better than he was, like a little bit more like dominant and imposing than he was. Uh, Mar- yeah, Marcus Nilsson was close. The problem is he played for Sweden. Their national team isn't any good, but yeah. he had a really good club career. By the way, he is a VLA guy. He's playing for Team Pineapple this year. Just saying. He played for actually. He played for uh, IBP. Polonia. Polonia, that's right. In in the Champions League this year. So Yeah, they his his Swedish club lent him to him, lent him to Polonia, and then Polonia lent him to Skra for like a week or two, which is kind of cool. <laughs> he's in he's like in med school or something. He's like he's a crazy smart dude and just like Twilight's is a unbelievable like towards the end of his career volleyball player. He's a cool dude. I mean shouts to Marcus if he's listening. If you can do it, might as well, right? Yeah, seriously. 
So right. uh, yeah, Trentino, Perugia, 3-0, whatever. Yeah. whatever. All right, let's Get jump let's <laughs> jump over to the 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 more fun games, starting with yesterday's 3-2 reverse sweep by Busto Orsizio over Vakov Bank. And we're going to start with this one and because you took the freezing cold take of <laughs> Vakov Bank 3-0, Vakov Bank 3-0. Damn it, your, I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up. <laughs> on the European Volleyball Show, and you are already way wrong. But I mean... Through, I did it. Through I did it in the sets. Discord too. I did it in the Discord too. I said through two sets, like it's over. Through two sets, I was Ugh. with you. Through two sets, it looked. It was. It looked bad. Like I. It wasn't. It didn't. It, it didn't look like it was going well for Busto Arcesio. Vakif Bank was absolutely like. Should I say Hawkif Bank was absolutely <laughs> was absolutely dominating. Like, they were pummeling them. She 25, had, she 20, had 25, 17. She had nine points in the first set, right? Half of Hawkif Bank's eighteen points. Eighteen points like if you're generating eighteen points in a set, that's a lot as it is, right? And they were they just dominated through two sets. And then it all changed, man. Yeah, my only consolation for being so wrong about that take is that Vakif Bank is Dan's pick to win the entire tournament. And now that's looking a lot shakier than my Canigliano pick, so I get to make fun of him for that. But, wow. Yeah, the, the way that Busto Arcesio was able to turn that around was just incredible because they're a team, like we talked about the last time you, me, and Dan were on, that, that hasn't really been there before. Of all the teams that I expected to kind of crumble under the pressure of a great team like Vakif Bank, it was Busto. And I know they've been so, so hot lately, but like Novara kind of crumbled against Canagliano. Perugia, I don't know if, if, what, if what Perugia did was crumbling against Trentino. It was just like floundering around, having no idea what's going on. But Busto did not crumble. They went down 2-0. They completely flipped a switch somehow. They just executed better. There, there wasn't really a, a tactical change. Uh, they just executed better. They they didn't get down on themselves. They weren't afraid of the situation. It might be that because they haven't been there before, that they're too naive to know that they should just like lie down and lose when you're down 2-0 to Vagenbeck. They're like, no, we don't know any better, so we're just going to keep playing, and we're going to come back against one of the best club teams in the world and reverse 3-0 and then just win the match. So whatever. Uh, Alexa Gray, MVP. Although I think Camila Mingardi deserved it. So Gray outscored her by a little bit, but Mingardi was more important. So I was going to agree with this, and I actually I actually was the one who maybe have championed this take a little bit in the Discord chat. However, looking at I, I went I looking back and looking at the stats, the reason that like like uh Busto swam through the fourth set, and that was when Camila Mangardi really started to show up, right? That 25-13, but that's when they already had momentum. When they stopped, the the Vakif Bayek train of momentum was in the third set. And this is where Alexa Gray won that MVP award. Because she went 7 for 7 attacking. So wow. she was 100% attacking. No errors in, in that set. She served... Or she passed twelve of the twenty-two balls that they they passed and serve receive fifty percent uh, positive, forty-two percent excellent. Right, so she was she did everything. Mingardi, on the other hand, in that set six for eleven. Right, so it, when it all came, when it was when it was crunch time, when they needed the win most, when they were down two zero. Alexa Gray put that team on her back and started the comeback. Now, Alexa Gray did kind of fizzle out out after that, but 
she did the, the the bulk of her work in the first three sets and she shouldered that load and i mean she continued to shoulder that load uh in service eve mostly through the fourth and, and fifth set but she scored the majority of her points kind of in sets one through three but it's really in set number three where alexa gray was like enough is enough i'm putting the team on my back i'm gonna pass every single ball and then jordan poulter you're gonna give me every feed single me. ball yeah yep. you're just gonna feed me and that's what she did she was red hot seven for seven and that is like the tsn turning point that's why she won the mvp dude i respect that take yeah i think you you may have just converted me uh Seven for seven against a team like Vakerbank is crazy uh, in a set. You are nuclear hot if you're able to put up those numbers. And Gray was getting ruthlessly targeted in reception the first two sets. And I think it was just a turnaround and execution. She figured out, all right, I know now that the ball is going to come to me in service. They're going to make me handle the ball as much as possible just to, I don't know, slow her down by half a step getting out to hit the ball, whatever it was. She accepted that challenge and embraced it and stepped up and just executed and scored points. It was awesome. The there was a rally, man. I I, I wish I could remember the score the scoreline of the rally. It was in set four. It was one of the the greatest volleyball plays I've ever seen. Period. Uh, the back and forth, the defensive plays that were being made. Um, the highlight play that sticks out in my head is Mingardi one on one straight down blocking Isabel Hawk in set five when Mangardi switched and moved to the left side to block and just absolutely like just clamped one of the very best players in the world. And that, that, that was a, that was, it was a statement. It was a statement play by Busto. It was a statement win by Busto uh, not to be taken lightly in the whole world, not to be walked over, not to be overlooked in this matchup. They, they, wow. Yeah. So all they have to do is win the next game and they're in. Now, the problem is that Vakuf Bank, if they win in less than five sets, they're in. But this thing has golden set potential. Uh, the, the next rematch is going to be incredibly spicy. It is must-watch. This this was like, yeah, this this is the match of the week that delivered that combined with the, with the men's one today. But th- this was such an unexpected and pleasant surprise to be the great match that it was. Well, it was also like... It was it was good in in so many ways. I mean, I I think like just just to go back, just just uh, breaking down how they how dominant there was only one service error for Busto in sets four and five, and that was really like really their lack of errors was really what allowed them to keep the pressure on. Not to mention Jordan Poulter, like like well, first of all, I, I think I need to touch on that 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 two headed monster that is Camila Mangardi and Alexa Gray might be like the best one-two punch we see in volleyball right now okay maybe maybe kim hill and paula Nagonaru is, is pretty damn good as, as well too but alexa gray and camilla mangardi is like and they're two very opposites you've got alexa gray who's very tall you know grace graceful in a certain way very effortless in the way she she does things but very also almost emotionless whereas you got camilla mangardi who's not your prototypical right side she's a no, little she's bit just a tank yeah she's just uh, yeah, she's a tank, and she's like a grinder and bull in a china and, and, shop and a fireball. Yeah, a bull in a china shop. I like that, and I love that style. The women's game needs more of that style. Just she just lays her heart out there with every single point. She's like reckless abandon, just absolutely swinging away. And when she's hot, she is so much fun to watch. And she got really, really hot in sets four and five. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was sick, man. It was awesome. One person who wasn't so hot, and I think the the key person for why Vakuf Bank really struggled was, was Michelle Barch. Michelle Barch Hackley. 
I, I guess if you want to put it, uh, the American uh, national team left side, 12 for 31, three errors blocked twice, two blocks, uh, and two aces, but only 16 points on, on the afternoon. She's the number two behind uh, Hawk in terms, of terms of, in terms of scoring, and she just couldn't get it going. That's true. Yeah, just looking at their number of attempts tells the story. Hawk 58, which is just ridiculous. And uh, Barcek with 31, like that's still 10, 15 more attempts than anyone else on the team got for third place. Like even though they have Gabby, they have two very good middles that that there there was an element of production there that was missing from Michelle Barch. And there, there was just a lot of like tipping into the block continuation stuff after the first couple sets. It, it was it was weird because you're used to seeing a Maya Onyanovich led offense create so much separation with speed and misdirection and, you know, these, these unbelievable like pieces of, of like chess master sort of running of the offense, but they ended up pulling her, I think for all of set four. And there was just something about their level of offensive execution in, in set three, once Booster started just kind of proving that they were going to hang around and not just go away, that wasn't on the level that we're used to seeing from a team like Vaca Bank. And Coach Gudetti on the sidelines was ruthless. <laughs> it, it was not my preferred coaching style. It, not that I have any authority on the matter, but he's just like, he's, it was so negative. It was like, why can't you figure this out? Why can't you execute? Why can't you make these plays rather than? I don't know, literally anything else coaching wise. It was, it was very, it, it looked like Vakif Bank was not having fun playing volleyball this last three sets. And Busto gets credit for that because again, they just hung around, forced Vakif Bank to execute them out of the match and they couldn't quite do it. Well, I feel like in sets one and two, they ran it really, really fast down the middle. And they there's such a mismatch, mismatch for the Vakuf Bank middles compared to the... Uh, huge, like a huge, huge mismatch. Like, huge. Especially when you have... Uh, which Who... Uh, uh, blah, 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 Le not Leonardo. Rasic and Zara are, are the Vakuf Bank no, middles. No, like she Like, she is... When she's lined up in the front row... She's only taller than Jordan Poulter, right? Like she is the shortest person. Like she, she's smaller than Gray. She's smaller than Janari. She's smaller than than, than Mingardi. And yeah, she's she's got ups, but like there's such a mismatch. And then it just we weren't seeing the same output from them, and they just started getting into that laziness almost of just going to Hawk. And she, yeah, she was being pretty uh pretty productive. Not in the not in the that fourth set. It all, kind of all fell apart for them in that in that fourth set, but. They, yeah, they just they got predictable all of a sudden, and they didn't change it. They did get predictable, and that that can happen when you have a player of Hawks caliber on your team. Like Wolf Perugia gets predictable with Wilfredo Leon, Canegliano gets predictable. Uh, it happens. I, I've always actually disliked this about volleyball, where coaches tell setters at, at all ages, like, "All right, beginning of the match, set a lot of middle. You know, get the middle established, prove that the middle is a threat." And then as the match go, goes on, just kind of just stop doing that. Why? Why would you stop doing that? Especially if you're Vakif Bank, your middles are just better than Bustos. Straight up, they're bigger, they're faster, they're a better and more important part of your offense, top to bottom. Like, like, Why would you stop setting them? Why would you do that? Like Not to mention, like Vakif Bank's passing, passing stats in the third set, which is where everything started to go wrong, were lights out. 
Right? Oh yeah, like hundred percent, sixty-seven percent, seventy-five. They passed seventy percent as positive as a team. That is stunningly good, right? Like, and they lost. You know, they outpassed them by thirty-seven, twenty-seven percent better than the team that they lost to. That's crazy. Yeah, so it, it is just it, it really came down to a lot of ways, like like serving errors in 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 a lot of ways too. But yeah, Vodka's Bank just kind of. It's almost like they expected Busto just to keel over at some point, and then they just couldn't get the 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 motors going again. It's exactly yeah, it's exactly the point I made earlier. Busto maybe just too naive to know that they probably should have just laid down. Except you should never just lay down. But like teams do that all the time against against the team of Vakif Bank's caliber. Part of why they're so good is that they they beat down teams kind of into submission, and then by the end of the match, it's just a formality. Uh, but that wasn't the case here. Bucket Bank started kind of spraying balls out of bounds. 17 hitting errors on the match is a lot. That's uh, way too many for a team with an offense that's that good. And yeah, Busto hanging around. Way less errors. Seven attacking errors on the match, which is amazing. Uh, what number is that? It's really small. Uh, nine serving errors on the match is pretty low for five sets. That's that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, not like rip and jump spinners other than Mingardi, but j- j- the pressure that they put on wasn't much of a power sort of pressure as a persistence sort of pressure That's... they just continued to exist to to fight to do their own thing on their own side of the net and then it eventually was enough it was crazy you know what i'm 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 gonna push back a little bit on your kind of too naive to give up analogy <laughs> i i agree that they but i think it's that they have a chip on their shoulder because from what i okay. understand from what i understand when we're, we're talking in the in the discord is that busto is a lot of it's a lot of kind of the leftovers you know, and that Novara had had their pick of the litter. Monza had their pick of the litter. Canigliano, like they all, you know, Scandici, like they all kind of, there was this big shuffle last year in, in the Superliga. And Busto was kind of like the best players that all of the best players kind of left over. And I think they took some time to gel together. But A, that they have this 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 chip on their shoulder in general and i think that they have these personalities that that suit that really well with mingardi and gray and i think that you know going back to their your setters you know your team taking on your setters personality i think jordan poulter has a huge part to do with that and i think she has a really good like strong like never say die attitude i don't know nothing about her i didn't know who she was until this year but i've enjoyed watching her a lot she's not the greatest setter in terms of location all of that but i love how she leads and i think she does that a really good job and i think that's an intangible that you really can't see on the stat sheet that she does really well good point i'm a huge fan of jordan polter's game been watching her for years she went to university of illinois uh who i was preparing practicing against at purdue for years uh, she's really good friends with some guys that i play with here in chicago all the time um yeah, a lot of lot of volleyball connections in common but she in college in the ncaa it was it was her and lauren carlini and and there was so much of a gap between every other setter in the entire country after the two of them. It was crazy. There is a reason why Poulter is strongly in the national team pipeline. Um, I wouldn't put money on her being on the Tokyo roster right now, but it's definitely possible. Uh, she's really, really good. There's, there's something to be said for the fact that teams that she is on tend to win. It's a kind of the Joe Worsleyism. He made that point on a show earlier this year, where like he's obviously a little guy, shorter setter, but team if if he can be on teams and help those teams to win, then that's that's all a setter is really supposed to do. Screw the numbers. 
uh, other than the number in the win column, if you're the setter, that that's that's a good goal, a good way to approach it. I I think Poulter's a- attacked that mentality really well, and her team is you know followed along behind. And there's there's a lot of good stuff going on for that Busto team right now. I'm it's they're they're really fun to watch. She really put the team on their back. Her back seven serves in that fifth set for for Busto. Um, that's that's huge. Like they went on runs both times. She went back to the baseline, and that's really what that was the difference maker for Busto in the end. Great point. Now, moving on to the last match of uh, the semifinals. That was earlier today. And you know what? It was another one that kind of looked like... Zenit, it was the same match. Zenit, it was the same match Zenit, as what we just talked about. Zenit Kazan had five match points. I think we need to like sit here and and recognize how close we were to almost an hour and shower, just like a good old three-dicking and you know like <laughs> just t- like take it and go home and we were incredibly close to that very thing uh it was like it was almost a foregone conclusion i yeah i was at work i almost turned off the game and walked away i think there were some guys in the discord that did do that it was just an assumption it was a foregone conclusion it was over and then all of a sudden it wasn't over uh i think we need to be talking about the fact that on so they had 24-22, a match point there, and Zox's sides out. But then they had the opportunity to receive a match point. Crazy rally. They end up, Butko sets Artem Volvich in transition on a 31 to win the match and gets absolutely clamped by Jakob Kokonovsky. Uh, that is a scrutinizable set choice with, with Max Mikhailov and Irvin Ingepeth as your other options. But like, Just saying. Was, I don't know. That's a one-on-one. That's a straight up one on one, Volvich and like okay. So I came into this match late because when I looked at the schedule, it said it was at nineteen hundred, and it was at nineteen hundred, you know, Kazan time, which means that it was starting at noon and not one. So right. I I was did a whole podcast with Louis Lett, which you guys can go check out. Right, it's already up on YouTube and on on Spotify. It'll be right before this one in the podcast list. It's another good one. We talk about beach. And so I came into that game, and we are, like, deep into the third set, and Kazan is just cruising. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I was on the Zaxa hype train after last after the, 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 the quarterfinal round. Like, let's go, Zaxa, you know. And I they were they were just dominating and i didn't know what to expect i thought i thought it was like okay i guess we'll watch the last couple of points of this one and we're gonna i'll get ready to watch the next one maybe i'll make a little bit of lunch (laughs) yeah sure enough it's this this match delivered in the best possible way again all the sets were close like Zaxa was kind of like in the first two sets, kind of backdoored those twenty-two point scores. They they felt more convincing than maybe the scoreline showed. That's that's exactly what Everett's talking about is the the Kazan dominance. They it was just like Vaku Bank in the women's match. It was exactly like that. The first two sets were all Senate Kazan. Just Straight up, it didn't even look like they were gonna be bothered by this little scrappy, like fun upstart Zoxa team who hasn't been there before. But Zenit Kazan have won six of these tournaments. They've been they've been to the finals six years in a row. Like, come on. Who who's gonna come up and, and try and beat Zenit Kazan? 
sure enough, very, very late set number three, uh, Zox is hanging in and then they, they push it over the finish line. It, it, it was, it was about Zoxa playing better. Zoxa did not play well. The first two sets, a lot of uncharacteristic hitting errors. They didn't do the things that we've praised them for doing all season long the the smart out of system choices the the ball control the the recycling the wiping off the block the the excellent service like smart service pressure the tony Udy offense but they started doing those things in set three so many of you especially figured out the geometry around the gigantic zenit kazan blockers hit some of those crazy four to four shots that we love and he was those those today were like I, I, oh. I, someone needs to go through and, and make a highlight God. clip of the amount of I times. I could watch that all day. Like, I would like to watch Camille Semenyuk hit four to four on repeat for the rest of my life. It's just so beautiful to watch him do that. It's like the amount of times he went so hard inside was just like, it, it was, it was disgusting. Like I could hear Adonis unzipping <laughs> all the way from here, basically. Like it was, <laughs> and, but, and yeah, you're perfectly right. He had five, five points in the first set, only three in the second set. And then third, he exploded for, for, uh, for seven points. And that's kind of really when he started, started to get going another seven points in the fourth and then wrapping it up in, in the fifth with four points. So, you know, you've got eight, 18 of his 27 points coming in those, those last three sets. Yeah, he had the 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 set winning kill in set three, which was a crazy play. Uh, the, the CEV did a phenomenal job of producing good highlight videos, like immediately after the matches were over. So go check those out; they're like five minutes long on the YouTube channel. They they, they captured all the, all the plays that mattered in the, towards the end of those really close sets, and the rally that uh, Zox ended up winning set number three on was was sick. Um, so many. Man, yeah, there there was there was a difference in, in set th- set three and on and set two and the four with just the way that he was seeing the block and the way that he was handling the matchup. It's an adjustment to play against blockers that big. There are not blockers that big in Poland. <laughs> there are not blockers that big in in most places. Uh, Volvich and Volkov are gigantic human beings. Uh, Mikhailov, Bednor's no joke either. That, that's just such a. It's obviously Zenit Kazan's strength, but. Zoxa's this is why this matchup we knew this matchup was going to be so cool is because the style differences were the style difference was was drastic these teams play completely different games of volleyball and we were excited to see how it was going to match up and the play that won the match the Kokonovsky throwing Alexander Volkov to the floor on a joust with like six inch deficit in height of just pure muscle and willpower off of a crazy Benjamin Toniuti dig was like the wackiest and coolest match winning play of all time. Like the, the whole, the, the whole arena, which actually had fans didn't really know what to do. Everyone's like, wait, what the hell just happened? Like it, it, it is, is it over? Like I'm, I'm confused and sure enough, it's, it's over. And the, the complete turnaround from what we thought was going to be a, a quick three Oh yeah. Hour in a shower, which, which I love. That's funny. Um, turned into a two-hour, 20-minute barn burner. It was like an instant classic, and it was just so awesome. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, and, like, that that game came down to two things for me. And it was, as we say, it was said, Camille Semenya going 4-4, four to four, and Jakub Kofkanovsky absolutely shutting the door on a dude who is a good six inches taller than him, not once, but twice, both in crucial t- times at the end of that that third set for that big clamp that made them that ba- basically gave them the set and at the end of that match that joust and both times it's like 
can we remember for a second that Jakub Kokonovsky Kokonovsky is only six foot six and twenty three years old, and yet he plays with the savvy of a veteran, and he plays with like the confidence of a dude who's six foot eleven. I don't understand it. Like, never cut your hair, dude, because you got the power of Samson <laughs> in there. Seriously. Yeah the the twenty three year old part is the part that I always forget about because I feel like we've been talking about him for years now. But it isn't saying how young he is. His his reading of the game, his lateral quickness is absolutely world class. And it's the the only way that he's able to succeed and excel as a middle blocker of that size in, in modern men's volleyball. He is he's awesome. He was so clutch, so clutch. But yeah, that block on Artem Volvich that saved the match in set three was was absolutely just mm, chef's kiss perfect. Just so good. Such a phenomenally good read. And and then the yeah, the just at the end is going to be on highlight reels for forever and ever. Uh, that, was awesome. that was a man oh, just. That was a man just. Oh, big time. Like that. that there, like oh, I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen a just like that. And I wish I had it. That like, was like I wish a could straight watch up right weight just, room. Like like that was like I've yep. I've been pushing weight in the weight room, and I don't give a shit if you're seven foot. I've been benching three fifty, bitch, and I this is what I can do because like that is exactly what that was. Like it was disgusting, and it was like, awesome. Like also, I I think also too, and I, what what are his attacking stats here for Kokonowski? Thirteen points. I want to see how he did comparatively because I feel like he really started seven to for ten. He really started to chip away kind of later later in the match. Okay, so three points in the in okay, no. Two for two for two in the first. All right, let's see what he had here in the the second. One for two yeah, four, in the second. Four for four in the fourth. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, so seven or two for two in in the third. You said four for four in in the fourth. And then one for two in the in the in the fifth, so I think that he got marginally better in uh, as the game went on attacking wise, and when you can kind of center everything ar- around him like that, it it it's really good. But Zaxa is just, I I feel Zaxa's electric, dude. Zaxa is electric. They are so much fun to watch. It's so it's so God, it's so much fun. It's just like Trentino. They have this clearly identifiable style of play. That's so different, and and they've they've got a lot of roster consistency every year. Uh, Benjamin Tony, who's been there forever, uh, Camille Semenyuk is an incredible story. Like grew up in Zox's youth program, like was taking photos with the players 15 years ago when he was a three foot tall kid, and now he's one of the best players in, in the league. Uh, Shlivka is slippery and slimy and unique and fun to watch, but not in a way that makes me hate him for some reason, the way I hate Juros Kovacevic. I don't really know why that is. Uh, they've got David Smith. They've got some American flair. Got to love that. Um, it, it's They're awesome. They're so much fun to watch. And I was annoyed about the fact that they were getting beat down so hard in the first two sets, and I couldn't be happier that it turned around. I, I really think they're almost like they're almost like Marines in the way that they – I feel like they're always just gathering information and they're always just gathering intel and they always have a plan going in. And, I, you know, like... I, I, they are a very smart volleyball team. You know, Very smart and very well coached. And we, 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 at one point, they're down in the fifth set and Gerbich calls a, a timeout and they just come into the timeout and he just goes, Gerbich goes, like, guys, like we knew that they they were going to do this. We knew that they are going to come out strong, right? And they just went back to work. 
And they just, I, I think that Gerbis just has this really, really just calm demeanor. I've, I've had a blast. Like Ger, Vladimir Gerbis has just been really one of my favorite coaches to watch. A because he communicates. That's, that's, that's Nikola. I got roasted for making that same mistake. <laughs> Nik- Nik- I'm Nikola literally looking at it. It's brother. literally like right in front of me too, like on the screen. Yeah, I made terrible. that mistake in the European volleyball okay. show and got yes. roasted. Dude, he, the fact that he coaches in English and you can hear everything he says on the sidelines during t- in timeouts is so sick. It's, it's so cool. It's it's the best, and it's always it's always such calm, simple advice. You exactly. Know? And he's always exactly. just it's always just like, hey guys, like hey, you know, like we knew that this was gonna happen. Let's just let's just go back and play volleyball. And it's it, very much the way that John Sparrow coaches the American national team. It's the exact same style. And I love it. I'm so in for it. I think that's how volleyball at that level should be coached. Not the, not the Gudetti just roasting his players for not being able to execute in a game five or whatever. The guys, the guys and girls at this level are so good that you've just got to give them confidence, give them little bits of information, uh, keep them level-headed Keep them, you know, emotionally engaged. Keep it focused on your side, and just go out there and work. And that's what Zaxa does, and it, it worked 16-14. The, the margins of these games are so slim, and it's incredible. Like that that Busto game too, the Busto Vakipank game could have gone like one or two points, and Vakipank wins 3-0. Same thing with this. Zeni Kazan wins 3-0. If one or two other things go a little bit differently, same with set five. Like that could have totally gone differently. Set four could have gone differently. Like the the margin between this two, all the teams at this stage, and then the consequences of the outcomes are so massive. It's just why Champions League is so awesome. I'm just so so obsessed with it. Yeah, it's you know what I first of all I, I wasn't expecting Zaxa to go down 0-2. You know we've seen so many different iterations. No, me neither. Like we've seen so many different iterations of of Zenit Kazan this year, and. You know, I think we may agree that they may have had the easy of all the teams that made it to the quarterfinals. They may have had the easiest time in terms of pool yeah, and I the mean, quarterfinal matchup. For sure, like, they had the easiest. The pool path. was pretty easy. Um, the pool was pretty easy. Who, who did they beat? Uh, they beat Scrab Belkatov. They handled them pretty easily. All they had to do was beat Berlin twice in the fourth round. They did that easily. And meanwhile, Zaxa, the exact opposite, had by far the hardest road to get here. I mean, to beat Lube. Uh, it's awesome. It's it's like it's all it's all the drama you could ask for. I wish this was like I wish the entire world was like lighting on fire about this match today because it's what it deserves. It's how good it was. I mean, yeah. I, trust me, I I wish that that was the case too, but. I think we're I think we're we're still a uh, uh, a little bit away from it. My question is: Does Zenit Kazan have enough in the tank to push? Like, are are we in a a golden set territory here? I I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I I don't know if Zenit Kazan has the confidence this year or like the gusto because like they're not used to playing from behind. You know. True. Yeah. Normally, when they get at least this edition of Zenit Kazan, back in the Wilfredo Leon era of Zenit Kazan, they were able to push back against people pushing them and they would end up just winning Champions League every year. But this edition, like the Irvin Ingepeth edition of Zenit Kazan, hasn't really been that way. When they do get pushed by a really good team, they haven't been able to handle that nearly as well as, as years before. So this is a huge test of that. I think that's a great point. There's a storyline going in. But the fact that this went to five, I actually like better because the advancement outcomes for the next game are more engaging. 
Mm-hmm. It's not one of those cases where a team only has to win two sets and then it's over. Uh, that's lame, and that is not the case this time. So if Zenit Kazan wins in three or four, they're in. If Zaxo wins the match at all, they're obviously in. But if Zenit wins it in five, then you get golden set, which would be just absolutely electric. So uh, all the outcomes are great for me as a neutral fan, and I like that. I'm I'm almost jumping into the Zaxa territory, like into the Zaxa bandwagon here. You know, like I'm definitely on the bandwagon. Like I'm definitely on the bandwagon. We've seen Zenekazan at the top so many times, and I'm kind of into seeing a, a new team like Zaxa, and you know, like I. Uh, the only thing is that like the the polls, the Polish fans would definitely become the most insufferable. Period. <laughs> um, maybe more so than the Turkish fans, although as we saw from the vile hatred in the youtube god what a youtube chat that was jesus man man (laughs) like there was like hours before the match there was already turkish people talking shit in that youtube chat i can't wait for the european volleyball show tomorrow morning to see the excuses drawn up by the turkish fans in the chat there which I, i i have to be professional during that show i can't acknowledge them and roast them but but here i can and that's what i'm that's what i appreciate about everett over here (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I even messaged you and was like, hey, do you want to let off some steam and talk some BS with me before you have to be go pe- be professional tomorrow? Because that's perfect. That's that's hey, that's 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 what we're here for. That's why we're on Twitch. So speaking of a topic that I can definitely not bring up on the European volleyball show tomorrow. Can can we take a minute to just roast the shit out of that commentator from from uh canagliano novara but can I, we just roast whatever that was whatever that situation was I, I, I mean, that was the worst thing i've ever heard in my life in, in all fairness i i will defend it i think dan did come into the discord and did mention that they had someone lined up yes and, and it was a person, last minute cancellation and it was a last person sub so you know it might have been a situation of at where was the game was it at navara i think it was it was yeah it was at novara so i think it's like it's just like looking around and it's just like it might be a situation of like hey who can speak english well enough to be able to get up there right (laughs) well they don't not not in covid times everyone's doing broadcasting remotely uh nobody's going to the game so i'm not sure they have that excuse but i they they, we did get the the information that that was a last minute commentator cancellation and replacement so i it's it's hard to blame anybody for for that you know that happens but of all the replacements to get my god that guy uh it would have they would have been so much better off just not having anybody it would have been so much more watchable to just not have anybody i had to mute the game i had to watch the game on mute it was stunning and that's a problem that i have in the u.s all the time when i watch ncaa women's or especially ncaa men's uh, the commentators are so bad that I have to mute them, but I'm used to that. I'm not used to that for top level semifinals of Champions League. That should not be the case. And I could I could go into this rant forever because I, I really do think that broadcaster quality is miserable on average in the world of volleyball right now. And it's a step that we could take as as a sport to really push the viewership experience and to give the matches the viewership quality that they deserve. Uh, I really, really believe that. And this, whoever this guy was that they pulled out of the random annals of the internet to do that Novar Conegliano match was 
500 steps back in the quest for good volleyball commentary. It was awful. Absolutely unlistenable. Uh, probably the worst experience I've ever had listening to a volleyball commentator. It was a joke. It was the only thing that I could focus on. I couldn't focus on the volleyball because the guy sucked that much. It was really a shame. Tell us how you really feel, man. <laughs> I this, told you that this this is my platform to share these thoughts. I can't this, do it tomorrow, we, so I have to we, do it now. <laughs> there's, there's a guy right now watching in like Italy somewhere being like, man, I thought that was my big break. I thought I thought I was going to be able to be to, to do it. And you're just there is no way games. that guy got behind a microphone and actually felt confident about that performance. Yeah, it was I refuse to believe that. It, it, you know what? It, for me, it just kind of leads to a larger conversation of how little care we put into basic things that other sports value a lot, you know, and in other sports, we we've you we have these tales and these like these stories about these legendary commentators who will go down to the annals of the sports, um, and they they help create a picture, they help set the tone, and and they're just a consistency. And in volleyball, it's just kind of like. Ah, yeah, we've got this. We've got Hermione Granger's bag here. We're just going to reach into it. And whatever we pick <laughs> out from any one of these bo books, you know, it could be we could have a, a really good one who knows a lot or we could have a terrible, you know, like it's so random and there's just no continuity. And it's just it's terrible for the CEV and it's just terrible for the brand of volleyball altogether. Like even Clayton, Luke, agree. Like, even Clayton Lucas, who like. I've grown to accept over the years. It's just so well like, said. I've also grown to accept Clayton Lucas. Like it's exact it, the way I feel about it. It's just grown to be and like and like like when I when I say that it's it's no harm to him because I think in terms of being a commentator and a broadcaster, he's top notch. You know, in terms of it being able to describe what he's seeing is 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 very good. But you know, at no point would you ever ask him to do Monday night football. Right. And no. this is and this is kind of exactly what we need in volleyball is that it's such a fast game and it's so technical and it's so specific that we really need people who are going to invest their time. And now at the end of the day, like it's it's not like the CEV or the FIVB or anyone is, is ready to pay these people. Right. Which is a huge shame. And like that's really like once we start having that consistent voice and and tone and brand whether it's for the cev or 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 the fivb or, or whatever it is but like when you watch champions league soccer i i watch it and you know there's one english dude that i always see he's got he says all the funny remarks like he has like the great one-liners you know like when you watch the when you watch the nba it's always the same people who's that one guy that everyone hates in the states who works for fox um, who, uh, well, Joe Buck is the Joe, guy that works for Fox Joe that, Buck. that nobody likes. He, yeah, absolutely. he doesn't do basketball. I actually really like Joe Buck, to kind of be honest. Uh, his broadcast partner for football, Troy Aikman, is the one that I hate. I think he's an absolute waste of space. But uh, we could talk about commentators all day. So, first of all, <laughs> I did. I, I did an episode of my show. I have a podcast called The Deep Corner on the, the VLA's channels. Uh, go look up The Deep Corner, episode 23. If you guys want to want to talk about commentary, uh, I did a video on that. I talked a lot in detail about what makes volleyball hard to commentate, what volleyball commentary needs, uh, what makes it good, what 
why isn't it being done well right now uh, and why it's so important. And then I broke down a video of Paul Millen doing a match World League 2014 that was actually very good. It's a shame that they that the FIVB just doesn't call him anymore. But I, I, I want to put this out there. I want to put this on the record here on this show. This is an open invitation to anybody in the world who is in any way involved with producing volleyball broadcasts. I, Rob St. Clair, will now will, will claim that I am the best volleyball broadcaster in the world oh, that I, speaks English. I, I mean, I, I think that's me, to be honest. Fair enough. But I, so I'm going to claim that and I'm just going to ride with it because I, I, I hope that somebody will, will, will listen to that and call me on my bluff and put me on a broadcast and see how good it is because it, it has to be done. It has to get better. It is too important for the sport to just deal with this mediocre, bad, boring commentary that doesn't do the phenomenal action on the court justice. So right now, I, as the best English-speaking commentator on the planet, am offering to anybody here, if you want me to do a match, call me. You know where to find me. DM me on Instagram. Whatever. Uh, if, if you if you don't believe that I'm good at what I do, watch some VLA. Uh, it's I'm, I'm the best in the world. Just going to say it here on the show. Uh, there are other people that are, that are probably better than me in the world. I don't care. I'm the best English-speaking volleyball commentator in the world. And anybody who wants to challenge that should put me on a broadcast so that we can increase the general broadcasting quality of volleyball in the world. It has to be done. It's too important. And I'm just sick of sitting and watching games that have terrible commentators, knowing that I could do a better job, knowing that Everett could do a better job, that Dan could do a better job, that so many people here that know more about the game could do a better job and that just nobody cares enough to put good people behind the mic. It sucks. So I, the best commentator in the world, am mm. challenging anybody with any power out there listening to this show to put better people behind the mic, whether it's me or anybody else. Just just do it. Get it done. It's my call to action for the listeners. <laughs> I don't know. I, I get very passionate about this topic. I, I think we'll, we'll give you the best commentator in Illinois for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like my my uh, my resume of uh, broadcasting is quite extensive. Um, actually, I think I did I did my first international match that I commentated was in 2011. Um, so it goes. Well, I haven't done anything. My resume is not extensive, which is why nobody knows that I am the best in the world. But that's okay. Okay. Well, that's okay. I mean, we're working on that. The CEV, every, everybody at the CEV, since I've been involved over there, really loves the stuff I, I that do, I've been doing. I do have to and say, if it I, weren't, I did very much enjoy those little snippets that, that you put out. I think I think we need more of that. Thank you. Well, they're they're we're looking they're looking for more ways to get me involved, and I keep telling them like I know that it is not up to the CEV. If it were, I probably would have been doing matches already. It's up to their broadcast partner, who just keeps defaulting back to the same people and over over and over again, which really sucks. Uh, but it, it is in the works. I'm trying to get on bigger and better matches. But my God, the, if I have to watch one more match of a guy, the quality of whoever that was for Navarro Canegliano, I'm just permanently watching matches on mute for the rest of my life. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to do that. The game deserves better. The game does deserve <laughs> d does deserve better. You know, especially like when we're getting to like these massive matches that, you know, like I'm Champions gonna... League semifinals. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's 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 like 
it's so frustrating how volleyball we just tend to be like, ah, yeah, this guy, sure. I mean, like, in in all fairness, like, like you you want to go back like the first time. Okay, well, the first time I ever commentated a volleyball match, I was like sixteen or seventeen in high school, but so that that doesn't really count. But the first time I did a, a, a uh, international match i worked for volleyball canada and literally 20 minutes before the match 20 minutes for panama and argentina they're just like everett um you're gonna go in we had some complaints about the guy who did it last night so uh who happened to be the guys <laughs> the guys who were kicked out the night for me were uh dallas sunius who formerly played for the national team and uh jay Dorocco, who was ouch also yeah. also part of the national team and they were both, both injured, team canada guys both injured not not on the roster at the time uh, and apparently they, uh, you know, apparently a bunch of the old whites didn't uh, didn't like them having fun. So I got to go up and, and <laughs> that's how I got to uh, commentate my my first game. But literally it was just because of like, hey, guess what? You're you're young and you can do this. Like we're, we're just going to throw you in there because we've got no one else. The the broadcasting world in general, not just volleyball, but especially in volleyball needs youth, needs people that uh have played the game more recently these people that that watch a lot of volleyball and these people that understand where volleyball is in the global media landscape right now like people like everett that just get it that get like where volleyball is what needs to be done in volleyball media to push the game forward and who also have a high enough volleyball iq and the technical knowledge and the you know the verbal skills the speaking skills to do a match it's it's why it's why there aren't very many good volleyball commentators because it's hard to do. Uh, but they're so they're so bad on average right now that why wouldn't you give somebody under the age of thirty like Everett or I a call to do a match? Who knows? It might make make your match actually watchable. So again, just do it. You, you know where to find both of us. Give us a call. We'll get on a mic from wherever we are in the world, which is very possible these days to broadcast remotely. I'll sit here at this at this desk. And I will commentate however many games you want me to do. That I'm just putting that out there. Or and I better, bet everyone would take the same us, offer. Fly us out, you know. Bring us, I'd be bring, bring down. us on on to location. That's where I'm. I'll do some interviews for you. Oh, we'll, we'll, I'll shoot, yeah. I'll I'll shoot some highlights. Like like think about it. Or even better, you like fly us out for VNL FIVB. You fly us out for the oh, the, the six put weeks us of in VNL. the bubble. Put us put in us the in bubble. That bubble in Italy. Put oh. us in the in the bubble. Actually, even better, you put us in the Cancun bubble bubble first. You know, let's give <laughs> give us a little bit of sun. You know, hang out in Mexico for a week, and then we're gonna go to Rimini to, to Italy. We'll, we'll we'll do we'll do we'll literally do a podcast every single day. Right? Oh sure. Like yeah, what? we'll produce all the content you want us to produce. But like, honestly, like, like it's it's funny because we we say this jokingly because it's never gonna happen. But honestly, what why why wouldn't they? If, if they were just, like if they were like you're not gonna make a dime from it, you're just gonna you're not gonna have to pay a dime, but you're not gonna make a dime. I'd be like, yeah, I'm all. I would, I, yeah, I would 100 percent do that. Right, I would, I would burn all, all the vacation days at work like, that I have, and I would go, like, I would go do that. You know, and like this is one of the things that's frustrating to me. And this like a beach volleyball, indoor volleyball, whatever it is. But like if I watch the Masters, I can watch practice rounds live streamed that have commentary they have a panel they have all of these things you know like they've got the set and all of that when do we, when are we gonna get that in volleyball only av only the avp does it right 
But like, when are we going to be able to get like? I want to be able to watch a world championship. I want to be able to watch a war, a nations league tournament where like after the game it goes to the panel and we've got like Jiba and Lasco and like you know Loy Ball sitting at watching, a panel watching watch, highlights and talking about it as games. the post game show. Absolutely, yep. you know, and like let's even better. Let's go out into the court and like like draw on the screen like this is TNT. Why don't we have any of that? Why That's is the it? Dream. Why is it just like every single time it's like the beginning of a game and it's like b-roll of the city that you know like the standards music Creepy shots of female fans in the crowd oh, classic yeah like <laughs> like why don't we put anything anything behind it it's just kind of like you said you wanted it on tv here it's on tv i don't know why you're complaining Everett, one day, I swear to God, uh, you and I and Dan and people like us will eventually be in charge of volleyball media, and we will be able to fix these things that are long overdue. Uh, but I'm I'm glad that we're able to voice our frustrations because we're right. We're both right. Because you're, you're, we're right. <laughs> you're, well, you're exactly right. You're exactly right about all these things. And I compl- I couldn't agree with you more about the 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 level of content around a match that needs to be produced for a volleyball game in order for it to be perceived at the level that other sports are. It's just the way it should be. And the, the reason why it doesn't exist is because of a lack of capital in, in some cases and a lack of caring in most other cases. And that's fixable uh, if you inject some caring into the equation, which obviously Everett and I do. And then uh, the capital will take care of itself if the product that you make is better. So Oh, it's I, not that hard. I, one I, day we'll one day we'll run the world. I swear to God. <laughs> I will have to say though, I'm getting twenty nine. I'm twenty nine now, so I'm almost thirty, and like my ability to give myself away, it's 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 waning. So companies out there who you know, if you want who's someone who's young and already has a decade of working in this stupid game that you know <laughs> no one cares about, then then come to me because I care about and but my my caring only has like a little bit left. Like my yeah, there's care, a shelf life. Like there's a shelf life to it. Whereas a certain point, like I'm just gonna shelf it and I'm gonna go do carpentry or something else. You know, something that that doesn't involve, you know, uh this what technically could be the second largest sport in the world that no one gives a shit about yeah it's crazy yeah it's, it's people people have got to pick us up while uh <laughs> while our hearts are still in it you know base basically wow. that's a uh, i like discussions like that because they're important and they need to happen and there there's changes in volleyball media that need to happen and it going back to when you watch a champions league match when you watch Zaxa reverse sweep Zenit Kazan and win, and win 16-14 game five, that commentator needs to be losing his mind on the broadcast. There is so much missing excitement from that match that that match deserved Dude. because it was awesome. God, it was such a good match of volleyball. The storylines were there. The level of play was there. The atmosphere, the, the stakes, the everything. It was everything you could ask for. And nothing about the broadcast did it justice camera angle was awful by the way that was and i don't even want to get into that discussion because we could rant about baseline camera. you know what years. you know Here's- what I, I it wasn't it wasn't the worst right it it was bad in the terms yes it was a sideline view but at least well it no was- it, it was it was way too it was higher up than the average sideline view and i hated it it's like you're watching you're watching a game like you said before that's played top to bottom that's played uh, floor to ceiling and you're watching it from a bird's eye view and taking away the only dimension that matters. That makes no sense. 
it's, if it's just the just the broadcaster, man. Like, come on, come on. I'm sitting there watching it. Like, there's so much more that needs to be done here. The, the people watching this match deserve more. The players, when they go back with their kids in 50 years to watch how great this match was, deserve something that actually captures how great the match actually was. It was, it was so disappointing. It was so frustrating yesterday during the Busto Vakov bank where even Clayton Lucas like, oh, yeah, when they do that baseline angle, you really see it well. You can see the He's, angles. Yeah, he said that. He said like, that. This is a guy who knows nothing about volleyball. <laughs> Okay, I wouldn't say nothing. I'm sure he's he's picked up a thing or two o- o- over the years, but you know he's not a volleyball person. But by any point of the imagination, even he agrees the baseline cam is better. <laughs> yeah, you know, I love that. You know what? Like I remember actually at VNL 2019. This is when you know, like the week of everything happening. Like I, I show up to VNL and I had to like really like work my way to get a, a pass because the FIVB had just pulled my pass a for posting illegal streams all over the internet. I was like finding <laughs> the, the illegal streams and then posting them onto my website. And uh, yeah, they didn't like that. Understandable. Um, but then the other one was just that like all of like, like, you know, all of those, those videos that I had done from nations league and, and stuff like that the year before the Canada USA ones and, and all those other ones, that was the week that they started demonetizing everything and started taking down everything. So I was like trying to figure out how I was going to be able to film this stuff. So I was like talking to some of the people and some of the, the crew who were setting up. And I remember like talking to the, the, to the lead guy who's like setting up like all where the cameras are going to be. And we're chatting and we're, to, he's talking about like where camera one is, where can't where camera two is like really technical stuff. And, you know, showing me like the layout he's, he's doing super good. And then he starts talking and I start asking him and he goes, yeah, you know, like uh, he starts talking about like the breakdown of like, you know, why camera two is always like the, the high side angle. And like, that's the one they always go for, blah, blah, blah. And all of that. And I was like, you know, why in volleyball we wouldn't use a back angle like similar to tennis? And the dude was a British dude. He's like, yeah, you know, I think that that is a good idea. No, but it would never work. <laughs> like, and like, like, he's like, yeah, you know, you're right that that is a good angle. But no, it could never work. We have to do it from a side a angle, side angle. And he goes, but you just said it was a better angle. He goes, yeah, no, but like it, it just wouldn't work. We would have to do it from the side. And I was just like, kind of like, oh, okay, cool. And then he just kind of like walked away. And I mean, like this dude's kind of like probably 40, 50 years old. He's probably making a good, a pretty good amount of bank doing what he's done. He's done for a long time. So who am I like, you know, 20 something year old guy to, to question him. But it was just really kind of like, yeah, you know, that that is a great angle to watch. I, I, I think that's a great angle too. But no, it would never work. Oh, hate to see it. I, I don't want to add more fuel to the fire because we'll just rant forever. But uh, I obviously agree. I've been saying it for years too. Yeah, it it's. Uh, I mean, it 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 is what it is. That's why I'm very. You know, the FIVB just got this big new investment, and we'll really see. Yes, what, we'll really see what what yes. what, what, what that what, what, is what. a test. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have. I've seen the, the FIVB. I've seen how the FIVB just loves just like spraying money, just like let's go. <laughs> so I'm 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 not too not too too confident. Well, if if you people want to hear more about Champions League, you should watch the European Volleyball Show every Friday at. Oh God, time zones are killing me. Uh, it's 5 p.m. CET. I don't really know what that means to me anymore because daylight savings time screwed everything up. But it's the dumbest check out, thing ever. I, uh, whatever. Check out the CV YouTube channel for Dan and I, European Volleyball Show every week. Uh, we had Eric Shoji on last week, which was awesome. Uh, Dan has a podcast. Dan has the A-Space. I have a podcast. 
Everett has a podcast. Uh, find us and all those things. And uh, for a lot more just volleyball stuff. And yeah, second leg next week. And maybe I come back on and we react to who's going to the finals. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, also, come join our Discord. We've mentioned, yes. it, we've mentioned it a few chats. We just passed over a thousand, or not a thousand, a hundred people, a <laughs> hundred people in the Discord chat. It's getting pretty lively. All right. I want to, I want to make this clear about the Discord. The, the Volleyball Source Discord has been the best thing that's ever happened to the way that I experience watching volleyball. It is that good. It is, there are people in there who know a lot about the game, who love the game from all over the world, East Asia, Europe, US, Canada, absolutely everywhere uh they 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 know their local leagues teams they have insider information they have great takes on all these things uh they're they're phenomenal people there are hilarious like jokes and stupid memes being posted all the time we got a, we got a lot of memes a lot of memes uh i'm responsible for some of them but just like the, the way that everybody them, I feel like. <laughs> I have a very I have a very unique like persona that I put up in the Discord that's really fun for me just because I spam like emoji reacts to all sorts of stuff and just make dumb takes. It's great. It's a blast for me. It's really it's gotten me to watch more volleyball. It's gotten me to enjoy more of the volleyball that I already watch because I'm just chatting with people from all over the world who are doing the same thing as me. And it's the best idea that ever it came up with to make this community a thing it's so awesome i can't recommend it enough so I, I, the link is on volleyballsource.ca and you should join the discord i can't even take credit for it like it started it started off of when back in the day i actually i think it was earlier today maybe yesterday i clicked on our old uh superlega fantasy uh discord like fantasy you, volleyball you, you were discord. part of that right yeah it was yeah and that was kind of what but then it just kind of turned into a chat place because the the fantasy league that we had tried to start just kind of broke up like a you know a bad D D crew and uh, it just kind of became a place for us to chat and then i was just kind of like okay guys if we're gonna do this then just make us a chat place i'm gonna brand this volleyball source because we can't have it like fantasy super Lega, and i'm gonna open up to everyone so if you're anyone everyone come come on and and join in we've got we've got a whole bunch of people who don't say a word and i'm hoping they have a good time but uh you know yeah, lurkers if, are accepted too but, if, uh, and if you're one of those lurkers who are is listening to this right now uh feel free to you know chime in i know yeah. that i know that certain of us dominate the chat but you know what everyone is welcome um We've, yeah, it's it's if, great. If you want, if you want like people to gas you up, I will, I will spicy pepper react to anything that you post. So it's absolutely. it's very simple. Absolutely, but but yeah, and uh, also if you come in and if you create content, like just come in and, and like just post it in the podcast section, post it in the news section, and yeah, just get your stuff out there. It's it's good to, uh, it's it's good. It's honestly where I where I develop so many of my takes just because we talk so much about it, and then I <laughs> we've got all of these like insiders who are like on the ground in italy and poland and i just steal what they have to say it's a hundred percent yeah i've gotten a, a lot of my i don't know apparent intelligence i don't know if anybody even thinks that i know anything about what i'm talking about but a lot of the intelligent things that i have gotten have come from the discord they haven't come from me so uh if you want to if you want to get it straight from the source i could can't recommend it enough yeah. all right dude that was great Thanks for uh, coming on and, and chatting about that. Uh, if you uh, are listening to this later, you should go check out the European Volleyball Show next um, that Dan and Rob are going to be t recording tomorrow morning. Will you have a guest? Who knows? 
Dan might no just idea. might just will, uh, will Dan conquer the internet? We will see. Uh, the internet is is two and zero against Dan in the last two weeks. <laughs> I will see if Dan gets on the board in, in that legendary matchup. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then guys, leg two of the semifinals going on next weekend. If you want to have a crew to watch them with, come join the Discord. We might even jump into the voice chat for uh, those matches next week. A lot of spicy VLA news happening right now, too. A uh, regular season event announced in New York in April. Gigantic tournament happening in May for us. So follow at VLA Volleyball on Instagram and places if you like the idea of North American Pro Bowl, which I've, is I've, a thing. We're I've, doing it. I've actually been on the VLA like Apple Podcast uh, page since you brought it up earlier so there's just been free vla branding this entire time so hooray guys well all right dude thank you very much that was dope guys thank you very much we will see you next time and uh yeah that's it peace peace